You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with David Adamo. David, thanks so much for being with me. Thank you. David, we're, you're talking from your, your Berlin studio, and uh, it's June 23rd, and you, you have an exhibition that, that just opened at uh, Peter Freeman's, so I'd, I'd love to talk about that. Um, uh, to begin with, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about that, that, that show. It's um, new, all new work from you, and, and, and there's a number of works in there that, that we could go through, but um, let's begin with that, with that show. Uh, it, it seems that there's, there's themes to some degree. Um, do you have, uh, is there an overarching kind of theme for the show that, that you think of in, in terms of this particular, this particular show? Well, um, I mean, there's, there's the I color guess what red. I, what I, can, yeah, yeah. I guess I can say that the work was made mostly, um, was not conceived of entirely, but was made pretty much during the lockdown time. Uh, so over the last couple of years, the works were made. And I guess they were works which required a lot of time um, and a lot of space and were made during that time that was sort of, for me at least, um, time in the studio where I didn't really quite know what project I had coming up. Uh, several things were canceled and it was for the first time in a while I was in the studio just, you know, looking looking for something to just keep me going. Um, normally I had been working on a more deadline type of way of of working over the last 10 years, I would say. And so this time... Uh, I didn't really know when the next project was going to happen exactly. So I had some time um, and I worked on some projects that, um, firstly, there's one large installation of whittled canes, um, which I guess the the whittled cane is something which I've been working on for a long period of time. Um, I've been doing them for almost 15 years but I hadn't made a large group of them all together. Um, and so I dedicated a, a large portion of the last year making this group of 108 canes which came together um, as a sort of maybe like a field of grass or something like that as it, as it looks in, like in the end. Um, and the other were... Well, what, 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 what you have is there's... I mean, I mean let's, let's talk about the field of canes a little bit because there's some elements that go along with it. There's the, there's the canes, which seem to be standing on their own on the floor, which, which in itself is kind of... looks almost magical, right? How are they standing up? And then around them are, are the shavings of all the canes, right? So, um, so we're looking at process, but, um, but also many of them. To, to me... You know, when I saw the show, it looked almost like like individuals or people or or or, or animals. Um, uh, is is that part of your intention? Because along with that, there was also a little a little door in the in in the wall that that seemed to to kind of go with that. So so let's talk about those those canes first. Um, I know my 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 what I my associations are are 
are my own, but I don't know if that if that also relates to what you were trying to communicate. Um, well, I guess that originally the idea with the cane is, yeah, that it's connected to a person. It's sort of a tool of support. Um, and sort of whittling it down to its sort of thinnest moment where you almost lose that support. Um, and then also to to show this process, like you said, with the wood chips um, pooling uh, around each wood chip as a as a as a direct um, document of that mark that was made or removed from the cane. Um, so, yeah, in their singularity, they they hold this um, this idea of of the person, but in a group, you could you could see how it it spread or grew this way is the way that I thought about it. And I did them, well, tried to do them in a day, one per day type of um, manner. And knowing that as they accumulated, it would start to become crowded and become maybe like a group of people. Or like I said, like a field of grass or something that was growing in the studio like a, I always like to think of my studio like a forest that, you know, you, you things start to grow and they start to accumulate and there's layers of sort of how they were created all over the, the floor of the studio. And so layer by layer, they start to, to build something. Um, and like you said, there's other small elements in the show that sort of pop up within this forest. So uh, one of them are these small doors which appear uh, a couple times throughout the show. Um, another one is an elongated shoe. Uh, another one is a, a tiny miniaturized um, meerkat that's balancing on a pedestal. And yeah, so all these different elements start to come together uh, to form the installation or the, I don't know, there's some kind of narrative that's happening, but it's also loose. So like you said, you have your own associations which with these things could mean, and I have my own, but hopefully it's presented in an open enough way that everyone can have their own interpretation. Um, and, and, and I mean, for, for me, to just, to just jump in there, part of the, the process, the whittling of the canes, the, the doors, you know, as, as I was exploring the space and trying to get a, a sense of what's happening, um, you know, I, I was looking at the, at the cane itself, which seems, you know, so fragile, it's almost disappearing. It's, it's uh, you're taking a cane and, and, and removing uh, a, a lot from it so that it's, um, it's just enough to stand almost very thin. And, and I, I associate canes with aging and, uh, and then the, the incredible thinness of them, the fragility of that uh, seem to, uh, seem to speak to, to, to aging in, in a kind of uh, poetic way. I, I actually found it, you know, very powerful being there. And the, and the door itself was, you know, almost seemed like, um, and, I, and I know, you know, I just read these things into it. So just, you know, you can, you can stop me if I'm going too far, but the door almost seemed sure. like a kind of escape hatch, you know. Uh, this was, it's impossible to get through that door. It's so small for a human being. 
And so the idea of, of pairing aging group of people would seem to be, uh, as you say, on a forest floor, but they almost seem to be whittling themselves because there's, there's, um, you, you know, all the, all the shavings around them. The door also seemed to have a dialogue with them. Um, am, I, am I reaching too far? Is that okay to, to go into it that much? Well, that's, I mean, my intention is, yeah, is that, that one can, you know, continue to read into it layer by layer. And I like with the doors that they can create a sort of a space psychologically that doesn't exist, you know, the space behind it or, or something that exists only within your imagination. Um, but the doors in this particular show did have a specific reference they were modeled after um, there's these tiny doors which exist within the Capitol building in D.C. And um, I had seen this small documentary about these tiny doors in the, in the Capitol building. And at the same time as I had seen this documentary, the, this sort of uh, January 6th event happened. Um, and somehow I thought it was interesting that I had found these doors, this big event happened, and originally what the doors were designed for was they hide a sort of plumbing system that's used in case of flooding in the, in the Capitol building. And it just seemed to me that there was this day that we were able to see all of this footage of people flooding the halls of the Capitol building. And so I decided to, to make a replica of the door um, from, from that exactly. One is in life scale, which is at the entrance of the exhibition. And then in the bigger main room, I've shrunk that door even further down to a sort of half size of the original door. Um, so, yeah, that's the the backstory of the design of the doors. Well, that's interesting, and and you know the the relationship of of some of the objects to the whole installation, all the all the canes, all the shavings, uh, you know, which which also reminded me of uh, had a for me it also had the association of a Joseph Boy's show. Um, I like America and America likes me. I, I, I believe was the title of it, where there was a, um, a coyote, I believe, in, in a gallery with, with, with you know, it looked like a forest floor, and, and I believe boys had a, had a cane um, and, a, and a kind of cloak or, or some kind that a felt. Was that also something in, in your mind, or is that a fair reference? I mean, it, he's it's a fair reference, definitely. I mean, almost even directly, but. Um, it, not exactly, you know, it's in there for sure. Um, but I mean, there's some boys and I also think about some Chaplin or maybe even a little bit of Mr. Bean or it, there's several different characters which I'm inspired by um, and sort of, yeah, try to... Yeah, use them as sort of uh, bits of visual information or a sensibility or, or something that goes into the 
into the into the realm as I'm thinking about it as I do it, um, but also at the same time not making a specific piece about Joseph Boyce or something. Yeah, of course. And and in 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 reference to that whole room which has um, the canes in it, the as you mentioned before, the shoe is 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 also there on on the set of stairs, and there's on the on the other side, as, as I remember, there was a, uh, a, a meerkat in, in bronze, very, very small, um, as I remember, like under, under, under four or five inches. And, and it seems to be looking over the whole thing. It also, those, those seem to almost be interacting with everything. Was that the intention? Because those objects, too, I'm, I'm looking at and trying to understand and feel playful as well as... Um, you know, something, something almost magical. What's happening here? Is there like a spell happening or, or something like that? I was, I was really intrigued. And so um, just asking about the dialogue between uh, what looks to me like a dialogue between the meerkat, the shoe, and, and other things surrounding these canes. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely not any intentional magical spell or something that, like that. Um, but I try to take things that are a little bit different from each other to try to build these layers into the into the into the installation and um yeah, sometimes they can come together quite in a in a funny way. I don't know, like the meerkat um has just been this little uh beacon in my house for several months and it's balanced on the windowsill of our of our living room and he sort of looks out of the window and I just always imagine this little meerkat sort of peering out and he's so poised in a way in this very sculptural way and um, you know I I sort of have a um, connection with it just because it's in my living room so I thought, of course, in the in the show, I want to try to add him in because he just seems to fit everywhere I put him, or it just seems to put be an exclamation point if I anywhere I place the meerkat somehow draws my attention in. And I like this in the installation that you can have moments where you take in the installation as a as a field or as a, as a forest, as I was saying, but then as you move into the details, um, it becomes again, something else. Mm. And the meerkat, um, also has this red object on his head, which, which looks almost like a little ball of pigment, which perhaps relates to the other red works in the show. Um, for me, that was the, that was the connection. I mean, the meerkat was a number of things. Yeah, it was, it was humorous. It was kind of adorable. It was, uh, yeah, looking out of the whole thing. It seemed to me like it could almost run through, you know, one of those doors. But then this, this, this odd round or, 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 or misshapen kind of uh, ball on the top of his head um, seemed to have a very specific reference and, and connected myself anyway with the, with the other works in there, which are, um, which are red. Um, what's happening with that, with that red on the top of his head and, and, and why that? And does that, is it meant to relate to the, to the other works, uh, um, the untitled works in the show, the big pen on paper? You know, it's funny that that 
little red orb on his head. I had known I wanted to place something on his head um, for a long time. And I purposely left it out of my planning for the exhibition because I wanted to do it as the last little piece which I made for the show. And so I finished, I had several different little things which I imagined I could balance and I had found the perfect pebble outside um, and I just painted it with tempera just uh, maybe like the day before the show opened and that was the last thing which I placed in the show. Um, and I like this idea that I sort of left it to the end as like the final sort of detail of the of the show. And it did have an effect that it really, in a way, <laughs> pulled together a lot of elements. Um, and yeah, I liked how it, it functioned also in that way that this one last little detail could, you know, create another story. And here we are talking about it. So it's a nice... It's a nice uh, continuation of the yeah, idea. nice full circle there. I mean, to me, it also yeah. connected with the um, the un- untitled piece that was in a vitrine, which was a, a ship in a bottle that where the bottle is broken, um, and it had this this red cap on one, and that um, so so you know part of what I'm looking at there is also your your interest in the color red, what red you know means to me, um, you know, which is a, a kind of royalty or passion, you know, the way, the way you talk about the, the meerkat, it's almost like he's, he's been crowned, right? It's at, it's at the end there. And, the, and, and it does seem to relate, or, or did for me anyway, to the ship in the bottle and the, you know, the, the larger works um, on paper. Is there a relationship yeah. between, like, the, 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 the reds there? Yeah. Well, I guess that the drawings which are in the small room, which are, uh, like you said, they're ink on paper, so they're just made with red big pens. Um, so I guess I spent about a year in the red, you know, really working on those drawings. And the way that the drawings are made is that they're done line by line um, and just covered uh, slowly with, two with both hands, I I draw them ambidextrously. So two red pens and just scribbling line by line and accumulating the marks in order to cover the entire sheet of paper. Um, And this process obviously is very tedious, very uh, rhythmic, um, and simply just took a lot of time and patience. Um, and I wanted to show also works, like you said, like the ship in the bottle or the, the red orb on top of the, the meerkat as a sort of almost like the exact opposite process to the drawings or to carving the canes. Um, you know, the smashed bottle is like a, a very quick, immediate gesture, you know, like a, a very, a very, uh, you know, just takes less than a second to complete that piece. And also with the red orb, just this one final moment that just uh, brings something to the show. 
versus these more the like the red drawings or the series of canes, which were, you know, processes taking several years to complete. So I like this also to have these, you know, in a, these different processes in the show that are reflected in that way, but also in the shifts in scale, the shifts in materials, and so just presenting different sensibilities. Yeah, for me, I, I like that there was different sensibilities and also different um, kind of content in all of those as they as they talk to each other in a sense. The the one piece we haven't talked about in the show, or, or maybe more, is the um, is the shoe, untitled shoe that was uh, cast bronze. That made me smile. You know, the the the, um, the the unlaced shoe, the kind of droop of its kind of toe or nose. Um, and the fact that there's only one, and it, and it again seemed in dialogue with the whole, with the whole installation, um, made me feel that that there's a, a story here that I'm, that I'm trying to put together, or that the the artist intended. But the, but the shoe seems to be a really unusual object that's that's once again different from everything else in the show. Yet it somehow fits in terms of this. Um, this this story or this relationship between all these all these items. Um, well, what 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 did you think about this shoe? Or what is its relationship there? Well, I had been working on um, making several different enlarged shoes in the studio um, out of ceramics, uh, out of clay, and I hadn't necessarily thought about them as sort of drooping or falling apart or, or something like that until I had made that pointy shoe, which for me was more like a, a sort of witch's shoe or, or something like that. Um, and this very pointy, aggressive uh, style. And when I made it, it just looked so, <laughs> so long and, phallic in a way, and I, I just leaned it over the edge of the table and, you know, drooped it down as if it was going limp or something. Um, and, yeah, just immediately saw it. I did never made the, the pair for it, so I only had just made one. And I like I was saying with the doors, I like that it leaves the imagination to think about where the other shoe is you know or or something like that and this sort of scale just a little bit bigger than life just like the door is just a little bit smaller than it would be in life also so just warping the the reality a little bit um and again making the the shoe in ceramic and then casting it into bronze and yeah somehow that there's like you said, I'm building some kind of narrative, but it's an open narrative. It's one which can be interpreted or told in many different ways. And, you know, to ask one more thing about the um, the red works in the show, the untitled um, works that you were just describing using pens and, and an ambidextrous process to, to create 
these, you know, were, were very powerful for me. Felt kind of, um, you know, I was, I was emotionally drawn in. They seem um, to be something very different, right? These don't have the kind of content that, uh, or, or narrative specifically that the other objects have. They were made during the pandemic, and they feel like I could be lost in them. They're kind of a, a gazing piece, a world, a universe, uh, uh, you know, you could say something, you know, meditative or spiritual, but but I uh, I, I found them as, as kind of overwhelmingly um, uh, kind of laden with with emotion, um, partly because of of their depth, partly because of the, the compulsive quality of, of making a work like that, but but also because of its its minimalism and and how much that allowed me to move into it. Um, was that in any way your your intention? Because those are very enigmatic, maybe the most enigmatic of the of the show. Um, well, I I guess the, for me they were quite new as well because I, I I'm not drawing so often, um, and they came in a moment in the studio where I, I kind of wanted to take a little break from sculpting, um, which I had been doing for many years before that and just sort of getting a little bit uh getting a little bit sore in my body and not feeling it you know um so I started the, to to draw out of it was really like I didn't know what I wanted to do but I wanted to do something simple like I just wanted to work with a pen and paper and I originally had would <laughs> been trying to write a little bit of poetry um, but totally embarrassed by what I was attempting. I was crossing it out all the time. And as I started to cross it out, of course, you could still read the things through it. So I started to cross it out even more, you know, and scribble, scribble it over. And then I scribbled over the entire page. And at the time I had butcher paper over my desk. So I started to scribble my desk and then I started to cover the desk. And then I thought, you know, this technique that I had started developing became, became somehow interesting to me. And uh, the scale of this sort of scribbling started to grow bigger and bigger. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a discovery like that for me. It wasn't that I had this idea to make them originally. I just sort of followed myself into this process and I realized that if I just stay with this this rhythm or this process which I had developed you know I could I could really fill fill a space and you know it, w- it would just require my my time and my patience and and you know knowing that it would accumulate and it would build and be something um something interesting to look at because it was so uh, in one sense, you're trying to do the same thing every day, but it was so different from each other every day. And this brought in a lot of different unintended textures and um, all sorts of different marks, which sort of occurred, occurred on their own in a way. Um, And it was just a matter of layering and keeping my rhythm going. And I liked this sort of inconsistent consistency to the process. Um, And I think that added something to it. Um, 
and to be honest, I had never seen the works hanging up before because I had made them on the ground and on a desk. So I had only worked on them in this way, and it was my first time to see them hanging up was in the show. And there I could also see a lot of things happening that I didn't see when I made them. So it was interesting to, again, a discovery for me to even just see them from this perspective, um, to understand all of the things which were happening that maybe I didn't even know. Um, and so, yeah, it was a new process, new medium, but they share something with the sculptural process because I, I thought in one sense they're in a way the opposite to the carving that you're adding the material to the to the paper. But then the more I thought about it, actually I'm I'm removing the ink from the pen and somehow that made a connection for me that it is also still about removing this this use or this material from the pen and the and the drawing is the trace of that. Um, and I used red pen. I mean, it's it's funny, but my parents are teachers. And so we always had red big pens in our drawer. And it's something that I just have carried on with. You know, I always have a red pen in my bag. I have one in my studio. It's just my go-to pen. Um, and so that was, you know, originally the the thing about it. And of course, when I started making the drawings, I thought, oh, I can do blue and I can do black and, you know, but I stuck with the red because it had this, this sort of connection from my childhood. And also that, as you were saying, I, I knew that it could be very evocative at the same time, this, this mm-hmm. field of red and, and it, meant something to me and as it accumulated I thought I just want to stay with red you know I like this the 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 feeling that I'm getting from it you know or the emotional aspect of it I like that I, I like that too it's a, it's a beautiful show and, and so it's we're talking on June 23rd the the show's running uh, through the end of July um I, and there's there's links here for the listeners who, who want to know more, but I, I want to ask you one last question, which is a little off topic, but what are you reading at the moment? I'm always curious. Well, I always have a bunch of things going. Um, let's see. I'm reading, I always have some kind of like health book going and, The most recent uh, book I read from that was by um, Walter Longo, and it's called The Longevity Diet, and it's something about talking about uh, the history of fasting and calorie restriction in several different cultures, and this is a scientist that had studied um, this, this field of longevity and fasting. So I'm reading that. I'm also reading, like I'm sure many people are, this, the, what is it called? The Dawn of History, the new, this uh, David Graeber um, book. Um, I'm trying to get through it. I'm like halfway through it. Uh, it's interesting. Um, and 
What else? I well, I started reading uh, In Search of Lost Time about a year ago, and I'm about through the third book of that series. So those are the the three books which I can think of off the top of my head, which I'm reading at the moment. David, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today, and and congratulations on this beautiful show. I wish you well with it. And and again, thank you so much for, for your time and talking with me today. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.